helped Dirk a little bit, but he put it all together. I mean, trying to put 300 pictures into seven, eight, nine minutes is not easy to do. So we, we had to do a lot of cutting and slashing. So, so uh, I didn't have one of these in Zim. And I guess I don't want to work today. Um, before we get started, I want to ask Jimmy Murphy, another guy that's been out around the world to pray, please. Thank you, Jimmy. I, I, first of all, I just want to just thank you for letting me go and for helping to pay my way. Um, uh, what a privilege it is for me to be able to go and to serve and to be around those folks and to, uh, to do what we did. And uh, uh, it, is a, it is just a blessing. I just want to thank you for uh, you know allowing me to miss two weeks, or maybe you were excited I missed two weeks. I don't know, but... But uh, and being able just to go and to uh, uh, just to see a different part of the world, we we saw a different part of the world, but we see and experience the same God, which is absolutely amazing to me. I want to give you just a little bit of uh, talk about the trip a little bit, and then talk about uh, what we did and how we taught it, and just. Uh, uh, tie some verses in here together and just to give you an overview of, of what we're going to do. I'll try not to bore you, uh, but God is so good. And uh, I want you to know about it because you guys are a part of this, and I'll speak about that just a little bit later. I want to tell you about the trip first. <clears throat> that Sunday we left after church, we left and drove to Dallas, which was, what, four and a half hour drive. We get there. Uh, board a plane, fly to London, which was nine hours, which was a long trip. We have a nine-hour layover in London. As we were getting ready to board the plane, they already took us out there to the plane to get on it. They said, no, you're not getting a go on that plane. Little technical difficulties, they said, which was like, well, I'm glad you found that out before we have 35,000 feet. So we had another three-hour layover. So after a 12-hour layover, we finally be able to get on a plane. Twelve hours sitting in an airport is, is a long time, to say the least. So we get on this airplane and we fly from London to Johannesburg, which was an 11-hour flight. Uh, we were supposed to wear a mask, but since it was an overnight trip, nobody knew that we didn't have a mask on because it's dark in there, so we got lucky there. We land in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, jump on a plane another hour and a half to Bulawayo, uh, Zimbabwe, and then we get, on a, we get in a van and travel about five hours to where the Caring Orphan Center is. That was just getting there. So a uh, long flight. Uh, you get tired of sitting, but God worked everything out. It was, it was so good uh, as he allowed us to get there in one piece, <laughs> okay? And we got all of our luggage. If you've ever traveled, you know, you got to 
getting your luggage sometimes is, is a difficult thing. We got all of our luggage everywhere that we went. Dirk, throw that first picture up there. Uh, there is, uh, there's where we are in terms of Africa, Zimbabwe. Uh, below it is uh, South Africa. You've heard of Mozambique. That'll be over on the right. And Botswana is over on the left. Zambia is just right, right above there. So uh, that is where we are in South Africa. Uh, throw that next one up there, will you? Tell you a little bit about today, real quickly, and then we'll get on to something else. Uh, the day started at 5.45 in the morning. That's when we set our alarm. Now, not everybody got up at that time. But Galen, who was my roommate, a pastor from Okina, myself, we wanted to get up to be able to see the sunrise in Zimbabwe. And there is a picture of one of the sunrises. And you just stand there. And you're just, you're drinking a cup of coffee and it just, it just, I'm waking up in Zimbabwe, in Africa. What an awesome thought that is. And we did that every morning, 545, as that sun just uh, came up there and shone. It just talks about the faithfulness of God, how God is faithful, that every, even on that side of the world, the sun comes up in the east and sets in the west every day. Our day, our day would begin at about 8 o'clock. We'd eat breakfast. They would serve us breakfast, most of the time American food. And then we would get started somewhere about 8.30 or 9, and we would uh, hold the conference uh, and where we began to uh, do our teachings in Africa, time means very little. Uh, Africans will tell you that United States people have all the watches. But in Africa, they have all the time. So we might, you might get started at 8 o'clock. You might get started at 8.30. You might get started at 9. Just, uh, there's that phrase, this is Africa, T-I-A. And that's what you do. You just, when they're ready to get started... We're ready to get started. We held a conference there. Uh, let's see what I want to do. Uh, put up those uh, pictures, if you would, of the next one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we start today, and this is, we would have uh, breakfast and lunch and dinner. And, and the custom over there is, I'm not going to say if I like this or not, but the men would eat first. Okay. You would wash your hands, you would, you would get in line, and they would pour water over your hands. And, of course, they don't have any towels or anything. So uh, you had to wash your hands that way. But the men got to eat first, go through the line. But the women who ate second, they got to sit at all the tables. They got to sit at the table. We just had to find a spot on which we would eat. That is their custom. That's how they always do it. So we were going to fit in and, and do the very same thing. So we would eat about 7, 6.30, 7.30 that night. And then we would have a worship service. Uh, we would have a worship service that would last from maybe 7.30 to 9.30. And uh, uh, they have a tendency to worship just a little bit different than us here. And I've got a, just a quick clip on show you that this is what we're going to do one of these days. I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to pull up a, a couple of you ladies and we're going we're to work on this kind of worship, okay? So uh, hit that one. Would you, where's your Dirkster? And all over the auditorium, these guys, that's what they do. That's how they worship. And they could go on for hours. 
the men, the women, they all kind of get into that. That's a, that's a worship. And that's the kind of worship they would go back to their churches. So I'm thinking maybe, what, anybody want to volunteer on that? Lola? Barbara? <laughs> Bill McAmos? Bill could do that for us. <laughs> oh, that's how, we, that's how we would worship right there. And you just can't help but not get into the spirit of stuff, okay? Uh, at night, if we wanted to take a shower, and we probably needed one. Uh, you noticed on that one clip there, they had a, had a 55-gallon barrel there of water. And next to it was the fire. And that's how they heated their water there, with a fire. And you would take and get a two-gallon bucket, and they would fill the two-gallon bucket up, and you would take it to the, to the shower, and there you would uh, give yourself a bird bath if the water wasn't too hot. The shower didn't seem to work very well. It's new, but it didn't work because it had no hot water to it, so it just had cold water. So we took a shower using that kind of water. That's how they heated the water, and that fire would just burn all day and all night, and then they would rekindle it in the morning and get it going again. Um, interesting, to, to say the least. Uh, we did that all week, and uh, uh, it worked out pretty good. The second week, we were able to go on a, on a safari after we finished our, our mission there, if you would. And we got to go on a safari. So, Dirk, just throw up some of those pictures. You saw some of them there. Uh, elephants were everywhere. We went to the Kruger National Game Reserve. Uh, it's one of the biggest and the best uh, around. And uh, we drove six hours to get there one way and six hours back. But you see the elephant there. Just give you some, some pictures there. There's, we saw a ton of zebras right there. Uh, go ahead. Uh, some giraffes were everywhere, uh, everywhere you wanted to look. Uh, that lion was literally laying uh, on the street. Cars were around it. And it just so happens that picture means a lot to me because we drove up. And the driver turns off the car, turns off the ignition. And I'm sitting here, and that lion right there is sitting within me and that pew right there. And do you know who he's looking at? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, white guy, yeah. Yeah, white meat. <laughs> and we are that close to that, that, that lion right there. Unbelievable. But they say, they say that lions cannot see very well. And they can't see that they're human. But he said, if you raise your arms or stand up in the, in the, in the car or whatever, he will be able to detect that. And then he won't be lying there anymore. So I asked him, I said, can I, do you mind if I take a picture? He goes, yeah, sure, go ahead. So. <laughs> and then I said, would you mind turning on the car just in case? True story. Yeah, so, so Rhonda's always worried about me being too close to the lions, and that was within spitting distance of him. So anyway, that was a, a pretty good deal. All right, what about why we went? Okay. Uh, why, what are we doing there? And that's where I want to kind of get on today a little bit, tell you what was going on. The theme of the, of the, 
of the conference was to keep the faith. Keep the faith. And I've got some bracelets here that remind me of that. And it was from 2 Timothy, 2, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7, where it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course, and I've kept the faith. You see, in Zimbabwe right now, it is a very much poor country. In Zimbabwe, unemployment runs about 90%. Only about 10% of the people have jobs. Uh, the government is oppressive. Three years ago, we were allowed to go to the schools and present. Uh, this past time, we were not allowed in the schools to be able to come. Uh, COVID has done a number on folks. They had lockdowns when everybody else was not locked down. Business began to open. Uh, they required the churches to remain closed. Uh, inflation, you think inflation is high here at 60% over there. Uh, our gas prices are high. Theirs are higher, higher than ours even thought about being. They are, uh, as a country, they are very much struggling. And we were told that the pastors there would be struggling also. How discouraged that they had become over the last three years. How uh, they had lost their motivation how that life was just so difficult for them that, that they were afraid that many of the pastors would, would fall away from the faith. And, and, and we wanted to come to them and bring them a message of, of hope. You see, many of those folks would be isolated from everybody else. I mean, they would be, their churches would be way out there, maybe some in the bush area. And, and, and many of them felt like, they were there by themselves, that they were isolated, that they, they weren't able to see other, other pastors and other Christians, and, and all they were dealing with was what, what their church was. And our mission was to bring hope and encouragement to them, to help them understand that there are people around this world that, that number one, love them, and that, number two, that people are praying for them. And, and, and we, we were bringing a, a message of hope hope in Christ and hope in, in the faith and just to keep the faith, keep your faith. Don't let, it, don't let it fall away from you. When life is difficult and you're struggling, and, and, and one pastor told me, he said, yeah, Sunday, we, we had church last Sunday. He said, the offering was $3, $3. The rent for that building that they are in right now costs $45 a month as they rent a building. And he said, I don't know what, I don't know what we're going to do. But he says, but God is faithful. God is faithful. And we said, keep the faith, brother. God truly is faithful. That's why we sang that last song, how faithful God is. There's a reason for that song. Because that is, that is their theme, that is their motto, that is their thought process. And every time you ask them about how... How are you dealing with stuff? How do you deal with unemployment and, and inflation and how it is? Their answer always, always is with a smile. They say, God is faithful. God is faithful. Can you say that? When, when it, life doesn't want to fit and they don't have much of nothing, they got a whole bunch of nothing. And that they go, man. 
My God is, my God is faithful. So men and women in Zimbabwe, we want you to know, we want you, we're here to help you, to remind you to keep the faith. So as a conference started, we are going to bring encouragement uh, from that. And I just want to tell you some of the things that we taught there. Uh, Jim said we preached it, but sometimes we, we were supposed to teach it, but sometimes we just preached it because you just kind of get going a little bit. In the first day, Jim talked about Peter's failure and that, that failure is never final. Failure is never final. Galen talked about the, the John Mark who, who, who uh, Paul sent home because he wasn't doing his job on that missionary trip. But yet we find out that even though he failed at that point and life was not good for John Mark, what happened? Paul eventually restores him to the ministry and even asks him to come back to the ministry. Come back, I want to see you. You see, God is in the business of restoration, is he not? When life is hard and we tend to, and we drop the faith, if you would, God's in the business of bringing us back in. And we wanted to tell those folks that's what what God is doing for us. I talked about Noah that first day and, and how and how Noah Noah persevered for 120 years as he built that boat as he built that boat and he sawed that wood and he hammered those nails and he put that pitch around there so it wouldn't uh, wouldn't uh, water would not get in it and if you remember I even think I preached on this that that for 120 years Noah said what repent Judgment is coming. Repent, judgment is coming. Repent, judgment is coming. And, and the Bible says nobody <laughs> for 120 years responded to Noah's invitation to repent. Nobody did. And I want to encourage those folks that even though nobody responds, even though nobody, everybody's rejecting what you've got, keep the faith. Keep pushing. Keep persevering. Because there's other guys in our history that says they've done the very same thing. When it gets so tough in life, keep the faith. And then we talked about that same, that same lesson. How do we keep, how can we keep, how, what makes it practical? What practical things can we do? Obviously, we get in God's word and obviously we pray. But I told him, I said, you know, you're discouraged and, and need encouragement. I said, what do you do? I said, number one, go to your family. Don't, don't keep your family away from you, preacher. Go to your family and find support from your family. I said, remember that, that God is on your side, preacher, pastor. God is on your side. He, he is for you. When your life seems to be crumbling and nobody wants to hear the message that you got, I said, remember, God is on your side. God is for you. If, you, if God is for you, the last part of that verse is what? Who can be against you? I've reminded them, don't, don't give up. Don't give it one that's hard. You know, I also told him, I said, remember that God sent, got a job for you to do. He's, he's got a calling on your life, pastors. And he's for you and he's on, a, he's on your side. He wants to help you. And remember, he's got a calling for you. And then I said, enlist some other people. Go find another person, another Christian and, get, and talk to them and, and become a part of them. And then I said, move from discouragement to encouragement. Okay, A candle never loses anything when it lights another candle. And you see, I told them all that to try to help them, but I'm going to tell you the very same thing. If you are discouraged and you are, are worried about your faith or man, life has just kind of just collapsed on you, I can tell you those are some practical things that you need to do. 
Get with somebody. Get with family members. Remember that God loves you and God's on your side. Just because life is hard doesn't mean he has forsaken you. Doesn't mean that, does it? I mean, the Bible tells us in Psalm 34, he sees and he hears and he knows and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So remember God is on your side. And remember that God has a job for every person in this room. Did you know that? He does. You've been born again. You are one of his children. He has a job for you. And he's given you the talents and the gift to be able to do whatever he has asked you to do. You see, he gives us a gift, does he not? And he says, I want you to use that gift. How are you using that gift? Is it a gift of service? Is it a gift of speaking? Is it a gift of singing? Is it a gift of saying hello to somebody? Whatever that gift is, use it. Find help from other people. And then move from discouragement to encouragement. By, by encouraging somebody else. That was the first day. The second day, we talked about uh, the pastor's personal walk with the Lord. Galen spoke on that. And we got some verses there. And, and we also spoke, I spoke on being a servant leader. A servant leader. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, does it? But you know who the greatest servant leader was? Jesus Christ. The greatest leader and the greatest servant. And he, and he pictured that. We see that pictured in, in right before Jesus is going to the cross. And we see his servant leadership. And as the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest, who's the greatest, who's the greatest. The Bible says Jesus took a towel and he knelt down and he washed the feet of all the disciples. At that point, they didn't deserve it, did they? They were arguing about, I'm the best disciple there ever was. I'm going to get the best seat in the house when I get to heaven. He didn't deserve to have his feet washed, but he washed them because he was the good servant. He was a leader. He washed the feet of Judas, who for sure did not deserve to have his feet washed. But he washed them anyway. Why? Because he was the servant leader of all time. Pastors, we are called to be servant leaders. Church members, we are called to be servant leaders, to serve our mankind, to get out of our little box sometimes that we live in and to say hey I need to go do something I need to help carry the burdens of somebody else I need to go and walk beside somebody else as they were struggling in life and I can't be too good I want to be a servant to them and I want to help them and he's called every one of us in this room to be able to do that the, the third day uh, we talked about uh, how Satan will attack the people. How Satan and his demonic powers will attack. You know, the Bible said we do not struggle against flesh and blood. We, we, but we battle against the demonic forces of this old world. And Jim talked about the armor of God and how we've got to put the armor of God on every day. And we've preached that here a month or so ago, the armor of God. Galen talked about how the enemy will attack Adam and Eve and tried to twist the gospel a little bit just to take a word here and there and try to confuse him and he was able to do that and how the enemy attacked Adam and Eve and how the enemy attacked, attacked Jesus at his weakest point and how, Jesus, how the enemy attacked Job when Job was living a righteous life and that's what I spoke on that third day was even though you're good, doing good life is good and you are walking to walk and talking to talk 
just like Job was. But yet the enemy attacked him for no reason. God allowed that to happen. And we try to encourage them with that. And we try to encourage them that, that, that sometimes life struggles come, do they not? And that, and that God wants us to get a fresh perspective on who we are. And he wants us to get a fresh vision on who he is up there. And sometimes the only way we can get that is through struggles and through trials and through difficult times. And I've reminded those pastors and those leaders and those, those, those deacons that, that just because you're struggling doesn't mean God has forgotten you. It means maybe he is wanting you to see yourself. And maybe he wants you to see him, holy God, in a different light. And you can either choose to be bitter or you can choose to be better. And I urge you people, pastors out there, to choose to be better, to keep your eyes on God, knowing that he's on your side and he has a job for you to do. And then Saturday, Saturday the last day, we're sitting there, final, final words and conclusion, and, and I'm sitting by Jim Westmoreland, who used to be my friend. And, and, the, and the speaker said, uh, all right, Jim, now it's time for a devotion. Don, go do it. Really? I had no idea I was going to speak on Saturday. But God is good. And, and immediately, bing, I went to 2 Timothy 1.6. And we preached this a couple weeks ago. Where it says, kindle afresh the gift that God has given to you. And I thought, what a great way to end this conference of keeping the faith. Kindle afresh, men and ladies. When, when life is hard and, and the fires of your, of your life are going out, what do you got to do? You got to stir the fire a little bit. We saw the, the, the fire in the, in the 55-gallon barrel there. And, and the men and the women would be gathered around there and they would just be visiting and talking and carrying on. Okay? And that fire would be roaring when people are around it. But at night, the fire would die. And it would go out. And all there would be would be embers. And I told those men and those ladies, I said, that's what's happening to many of us in our lives. That the ember or the passions of your life that you have for God are dwindling. And they're about to go out. And that's what many of them were in Zimbabwe at this time. The fires were going out in their life. And I said, guys, stir that fire up. Because when you stir that fire up, what happens? The fire starts coming up again, and now you've got a blaze. I said, stir it up, rekindle afresh what God has called you to do. Because you see, God's only got one plan to share the gospel. Did you know that? He doesn't have plan B and C and D. He only has one, and that one plan to share the gospel is for you and I to, sell, to tell somebody else the good news of what Christ did on the cross. Nobody else can do it. Angels can't do it. Nobody. Men, women, us, we only have, we're part of that one plan, and that's plan A, to share the gospel. If, if, if you don't kindle the fire and get the passion back for the Lord, who's going to do it? It's got to be us. It's got to be those guys in Zimbabwe. It's got to be us. Rekindle the, fl- the fire. Rekindle the passion. That's what we taught over that course of those days. Our ladies also had a conference. 
Uh, they were a set, had a separate conference. We took six ladies and four men, and they taught. They pretty much taught about Jesus. Okay, they pretty much taught about that Jesus is a miracle worker. Yeah, I mean, we all know that. Jesus is the great I am. They talked about that. They talked about what unforgiveness did to does to a person. They just taught Christ to those ladies and reminding them who Christ is and how good the gospel is. I think there's a picture there. Yeah, Dirk, I think there's a picture of the, of the ladies there. Maybe. And then in the afternoon, yeah, yeah that's the team picture, but that's okay. Uh, then the ladies would spend time in the orphanage being with kids, spending time with those 25 kids that, that have no mom and no dad. Yeah, there's a picture of, of, of Kinsey there and those kids. 25 of them got their school uniforms on. Uh, they, were, they got to spend time with, with all those folks, which was pretty good. For the men's, we would, during the afternoon for us, uh, it was very interesting because we didn't get to spend time with the kids. But those guys, those pastors would come around and they want to talk. They just want to visit. They want to talk about uh, the gospel. They want to talk about some issues. They want to talk about questions. I mean, I mean, we would take a break after the first two sessions, and I was always trying to get a, get away to go to the bathroom, and I get stopped, and that just didn't happen. See, they're hungry. Those folks were hungry, and our women did a great job, and, and the guys did a great job. We had a third team that went, and there was two of them: uh, Emmett McKenzie, who has spoke spoke here before, the guy with the tats and the tats and the tats and all that guy who God has saved. He and another one, uh, Kenzie, our youngest, our youngest gal, went to into town one day, and they went to evangelize. And they were there about a half a day, just a couple hours they were there. Twenty-one new believers happened in that half a day because these two people went to evangelize in that town of Beringua. 21 in a half a day. See, the people in Zimbabwe are hungry for the gospel. They're hungry for what God's doing. And these two young people, if you would, went and presented a gospel. 21 were saved. A day later, Kinsey, the, the young girl from Northwestern, she spoke to the orphans. Seven orphans gave their heart and life to Christ. So just over a little over a day, 28 new believers who have been snatched from the jaws of hell or now have a home in heaven when they pass from this old earth. Uh, that makes the trip <laughs> worthwhile. Why go to Zim? Why go? Why spend all that money to go? Well, number one, we are commissioned to go, are we not? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. That is the command that we'd go. Why go to Zim? Christ commanded it that we go. Some can go physically, some can go financially, some can go spiritually, but we all are called to go. Uh, put up that next picture of those two men. Those two guys right there. The one on the Right, the, the smaller fella. I'm going to give you a little story about him. He's totally blind right now. Can't see a lick. Uh, this man would, would guide him around, would hold his hand and guide him everywhere he went. 
This man about 10, 11 years ago, he was a, a general in the Zimbabwe military. And as the, the, the blacks were revolting against white leadership, he was one of the main military generals that pushed the issue. They say he was one of the meanest men around, that he ordered others to be killed. He killed others himself, and you didn't want to miss mess with this guy Rave was his name you didn't mess with him and people were afraid of him about 10 years ago a guy from the states went over there a guy named Paul Rummage and Paul Rummage is the mover and the shaker of the orphans caring center uh, from Insight Ministries I spoke about them before and when Paul came over Paul's white and we went over there trying to organize the orphanage Rave Followed him everywhere he went. See, Rave didn't trust him. Here was a white man coming into this area, and they've already dealt with the white men of the area, and they've kind of gotten rid of them. And Rave followed him wherever he went. And when Rave went to a church service there, this man was there. When Paul went to the church services, this man followed him because he didn't trust him at all. Everywhere Paul went, he had a tail, and that was Rave, because he just knew that Paul was going to do something, and he would have to deal with it. After he sat in services for about two weeks, they tell me he got saved. He got saved. He was following this guy to harm him, and yet God changed his heart forever and forever. And he now is the sweetest man ever. You see, God's in the business of doing that, isn't he? As he heard the gospel night after night, thinking that it, he was there to do harm to Paul. Only thing that happened was God did harm to Satan and saved that man forever and forever. Sweetest man, you go up and shake his hand and always talks about how good God is. That's a reason why we would go to Zimbabwe. For men like him and the 28 others, there's no price that you can put on a conference like that. Second thing, reason why we went... Because the pastor was so discouraged, so down, so lack of motivation. And I can hear to tell you, I don't take any credit for this, and none of our team will take credit for any of this. But those guys now are motivated. They are now inspired. They are now enthused. They are now encouraged to go out and spread the word to, to their people who are hungry to hear what, what God's word has to say. Just a couple of comments that, that they text me, and I, I love the way they phrase things. These guys are really kind of a kind of cool way they, they say it. Moses Dockett sent me a text, and he says, I feel revamped because of the conference. Revamped. Who uses that word? He did. I feel revamped. Elisha, who was the singer, he said, we're still chewing the green pastures you brought to our doorstep. What a great way to phrase it. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Elisha also said, the echoes of your sincere voices and powerful teachings are still on our ears. What a great way to phrase it. What a great way. Moses Simba says this. We are experiencing a lot of spiritual low. You brought much hope and came at the right time. We hadn't been there in three years, but we came at the right time. That's not our timing, boys and girls. That's God's timing. You see, they got a hold of something, and now they're going to go back, and they're going to tell, tell their people how good God is. They are encouraged to the max. A third reason we went is to bring the pastors together. 
Like I said, they're isolated, they're out of way, and it's so cool to watch them gather around that fire, and they would just sit and talk for hours, and for hours, and for hours, and when I'm trying to go to bed, they're still talking about stuff for hours and for hours, and when I get up at 545, they're already there. They're already there talking to each other, connecting again, because they might not have seen each other for another three years, and yet there they are connecting. Uh, That's why we went. They have two goals. They have two goals over in Zimbabwe. And that is to reach the lost, to evangelize, and to start new churches. They start new churches all the time. All the time. That is their goal. One man, a guy by the name of Gift, lives in North, uh, North Zimbabwe. His goal by, by the year 25, 2025 is to have planted 100 churches. You see, that's getting the word out. <laughs> that's getting the gospel out. That's... That's what they do. They, uh, they asked me one time, he says, you say to us that, that we bless them, okay? And that you bless us, that the Zimbabwe people. And, they, and he asked me a question, how do, we, how do we, Zimbabwe, bless you Americans? Because they have nothing to offer. And I told them, I said, number one is your smile. Even though life is so hard for you guys, you got this big smile. And the second thing I told them is, is that uh, you always say God is faithful. Could we in America just be able to get that phrase in our hearts that God is faithful? You see, they have no, nothing else to depend on but God. I mean, we got, in America, we got all to, I mean, we can, we can do our own thing. But for them, it's not. And what a blessing it is when, when these people go, God's faithful. How are you going to do it? Where's your next meal coming from? Uh, God's faithful. How are you going to pay your church rent for the building instead of living, having service under a tree? How are you going to do that when you only brought in $3 last Sunday? God's faithful. God is faithful. You see? See what the heart that they have for this stuff? Um, let's see. Real quick, and I'll finish up. I want you to know that Arapaho First Baptist Church has a big footprint in Zimbabwe. You have allowed me to go four times. And all four times have been, been fun, have been exciting. But they understand that, that we at Arapahoe First Baptist Church, that we love those people. And they understand that when I come over and other guys that have come over numerous times, they understand that we're not coming over for the vacation. That we sincerely love them. And, and they, they spoke of that, that your sincerity is, is just, and the love that you have for us, they would say, was so great. And I, and I talked to them about the church. I talk about them to, about you guys to them and how they will pray for us. Pray for Arapahoe Baptist Church. Can you imagine guys in Zimbabwe praying for us right now? That's pretty cool. I took, a, I took about 50 pins over there to them. And on the pins, it says, God loves you. Jesus died for you. Arapahoe First Baptist Church, Arapahoe, Oklahoma. And they all got a pin. And I said, every time you look at that pen, 
and read what's on there. I want you to understand that God loves you and, and Jesus died for you, yeah. But I want you to understand that, that Arapahoe First Baptist Church has a little piece of that pen. And I want you to remember us and I want you to pray for us. We have a big footprint over there. I read Isaiah 6, 8. Who will go send me? That's what you guys have done, and I'm so appreciative of that. Uh, We came to encourage. We came to bless, and we came to honor God. But what happened was, when we came to encourage, they encouraged us with their faithfulness. When we came to bless them, they blessed us with their generosity and hospitality. When we came to help them, they helped us. When we came to be with them and to see their world, we were allowed to see God's great creation. And we were allowed to see that salvation is no different for us to hear and for us there. There is no difference in there. So I want to just continue to encourage us with that. That God is good wherever we are. And that the one song that we sang, people need the Lord, don't they? People need the Lord here. People need the Lord there. We serve the same God, the same Jesus who saves us, the same Holy Spirit that convicts us. I want to thank you for allowing me to go. And I hope I'll be able to go back again someday. I want to give you just a, I just want to give you just a picture of of that, of Zimbabwe and what we do and, 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 and the people and their generosity and how they love the Lord. And sometimes just like them needed some encouragement, sometimes we all need encouragement, don't we? Yeah, yeah. We can find encouragement in God's Word. We can find encouragement through prayer, and we can find encouragement from other believers as we gather together and share the good news of the gospel. Run. All right, let's begin our invitation time. Uh, I don't know if God's spoken to you in any way. But just, uh, you know, if, if anything else, just praise Him. And I can praise Him for all kinds of stuff, and so can you. Praise Him for our salvation. But I'm reminded as I have come back from there, the beauty of God's creation is so awesome that God has given us a picture of how awesome His beauty is. If you have nothing to pray for, I just, just praise Him for salvation, for His goodness, His love, His mercy. Praise Him for creation. Praise Him that He loves you and that He's on your side. Praise Him that He has given you a job to do and He will give you the strength to do it. Praise Him that He is at work in Oklahoma and He is at work around the world. Pleading with people, drawing people to Himself. Was it worth it to go to Zimbabwe? Yes. 28 souls have been saved. 
And countless others will be saved just because those preachers have come back to their churches with great enthusiasm. So as you pray, I don't know how God's spoken to you, but the invitation is there as the piano plays.